2: became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So what does it mean to be saved? Eternal salvation. Does salvation come from Calvary Chapel? No, does it come from the Catholic Church? Does it come from the Presbyterian Church? No, it doesn't come from a church. Salvation comes from who? Jesus Christ. He's the author of salvation. He died so I can have it. Notice the verse says, he became the source.
0: If you grew up going to church, you might have gotten the idea that churchgoers are closest to God because they go to church. Or maybe you've heard that your particular brand of Christianity is the closest to the original. Well, none of that's correct. If that's confusing for you, you should listen to Pastor Mark's teaching today. In it, you'll hear from Scripture about the way that God planned things. You'll find out that there's no creation of man that's able to provide the eternal salvation you and everyone else needs. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 as he continues his message, Jesus, our perfect high priest.
2: I got my American Express bill today. And I went, what's up with this? It was like thousands of dollars. And so I got, I began looking. And I do all my bills online. And pay all my bills basically online. And you have to go do it. Put the bill in. You schedule when you're going to do it. Then you got to go to the next page. And you got to hit enter. Well, the month before, they'd made a mistake. So I called them. The guy got on the phone. Very kind. Corrected the mistake. I said, that's fine, I'll send the bill in right now. Got online, bang, must have gotten interrupted, never went to the next page, and never sent my bill in. So when I got the bill, I had 70 or 68 dollars of interest. And I went, say what? So I got on the phone. I said, I'm a pastor. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Give me a break they probably would definitely wouldn't have probably been grace I just get on the phone and I said if you look at my record I'm never late we never have any interest we always pay our bill exactly at the end of the month we just don't do that that's been our habit our whole life so she says well let me put you on hold for a moment About gone about five minutes she came back and she said no problem Mr. Balmer I've already credited your account for the interest hallelujah now that's a throne of what? great did I deserve it? no I was stupid I didn't go to the second page and do what I was supposed to do You've been stupid, haven't you? You're laughing like you've never been stupid. I know you better than that already. So that's a throne of grace. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us. I'm so happy to tell you that God never runs out of forgiveness, and he never runs out of grace. It's unlimited. Now, there's a key. I don't receive grace, and I don't receive mercy, Unless I ask. Notice verse sixteen in the New King James. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come boldly. He's our father. People know Old Testament, they never could have done that. They absolutely wouldn't do that. Now there's a danger. We may not take this privilege as seriously as it is. Hey, God, forgive me. Sorry, I just didn't have time to talk to you. I just blew it yesterday, but I got two phone calls here. God, thanks for forgiving me, and on we go. No, 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 no. That's not boldly. That's ridiculous. You're talking to God here. And so we have to be careful. Boldly doesn't mean without respect. You know, it could be if you were offered just tomorrow to fly up to Washington, D.C., to be in the presence of the president... You and I might treat him with more respect, which he should have respect, but more respect than God even. You see, because we're separated from God, sometimes we lose this respect. Let's look at some qualifications for the high priest as we begin chapter 5. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters relating to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Look at verse 4. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God just as Aaron was. So, first thing, when you look at a qualification of a valid priesthood, a priest was always appointed by God. No priest was really ever self-appointed. And those who... God chose, obviously, he started with Aaron and all the successors in the tribe of Levi. In the Old Testament, that says that Aaron was chosen specifically by God. That's what took place. Keep your finger right there. Flip back to 1 Samuel for a moment. Could we operate out of the anointing that God gives us? Yes, we can. We can try to be somebody. We're not. In First Samuel chapter 13, when you get there, scoot on down to verse 8. King Saul, appointed by God to be the first king of Israel. But he had problems. He had jealousy. A couple weeks ago, I talked to the pastor's about that very topic of jealousy. And I talked to them about the principle we talked about two weeks ago on rest. I find people in the ministry quite often that are not at rest because they want to be in another position than they are. And I talk to them very seriously about, you're here and you're on staff. We're all a team. We work together. We're all equal. But it could be that sometime you'll become jealous of this position. I could do a better job than that. I know more than that. I can do this. I can do that. That can come from the pastors. That can come from the elders. That can come from you guys. That we are not at rest where God has us. And we try to stretch into an area where God hasn't called us to come. Now we're all equal. And what you see here with Saul is the very thing. Look down at verse 8. Saul waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, the prophet. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. Saul offered up a burnt offering. Remember, he's a king. He's not a priest. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to greet him. What have you done, asked Samuel. Saul replied, well, I... Saw that the men were scattering. You did not come at the set time, and the Philistines were assembling at Pink Mesh. I thought, "Here's the problem." I thought, "See, not God thought. I thought. I thought now the Philistines will come down against me." Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to offer burnt offerings. You acted foolishly, Samuel said, and you have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, He would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now, your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Notice the next word. And appointed him, leader of the people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. What appeared to be a valid excuse didn't change the fact that Saul moved into an area of ministry where he was not gifted or called by God to do. Because of that, and of course many other sins in Saul's life, he would lose the kingdom. You see, I can't ever try to be somebody I'm not. I don't want to be somebody I'm not. This is what God's given me to do. And if he calls me to do something else, that's what I'll do. I can't be somebody that I look at and go, Man, i really like to be that. And then, No, God's called me right here, for right now. I have to be at rest with that. Before I was a pastor, I loved to teach. And I would get to teach when the pastor would go away. And I had to always deal with those things that. Well, I'm not the pastor. I really didn't want to ever be the pastor. I just love to teach. And God had a great sense of humor. He says, good, you're going to get a church along with the opportunity to preach. And that's what he did. But see, we're human. We talked about that again in staff today. You guys are the same. You can't operate outside of your appointment or your anointing. Because God's anointing doesn't go with us. We're all equal, but God calls us to different things. Now back to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 4. And this will address something that is huge for all of us guys in ministry. Elders, pastors, all of you that serve in leadership. Verse 4. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God. Just as Aaron was. So the next qualification of a great high priest is a priest must serve with humble authority. The writer stresses humble. This privileged position... Wasn't earned. Didn't have a college degree to do it. It was divine appointment. And with that divine appointment came a responsibility, a dignity, but it also came with the challenge to be humble. Remember, Jesus Christ didn't appoint himself as high priest. He was appointed by God the Father. And all through Jesus' ministry on earth, he was humble. Remember what he would always say? I do nothing except what the Father tells me to do. He was humble. He recognized that authority. Well, back to verse 2. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. So a priest must be, sympathetic. Of course, here talking about the human priest. The priest was to deal gently with people who were going astray. This should have been no problem for the high priest, since as we read earlier, he obviously had to offer his own sacrifices for his own family before he offered sacrifices for the sins of the nation. I found a prayer from the Mishnah that the high priest would make on the Day of Atonement. Let me read it to you. O oh God, I have committed iniquity and transgressed and sinned before thee. I in my house and the children of Aaron, thy holy people. O oh God, forgive, I pray, the iniquities and transgressions and sins which I have committed and transgressed and sinned before thee. I in my house. That's beautiful. You see, let's bring it down to today. Doesn't matter who's up here, whatever pastor's here. Doesn't matter in a small group wherever you're at, your leader. Can you imagine me or whatever pastor here? We're all taking communion. And we take communion to remember our Lord. But before we do it, what's the first thing we have to do? We have to what? Examine what? Ourselves. And do we do that because we need to ask forgiveness and God forgives Can you imagine me or whoever's up here as the pastor? All of you have your communion cups and you're taking it and I'm watching you. I don't need, I don't have any sin. What would you think of that? That wouldn't be too good, would it? Because you know I have sin because I'm exactly like you. I mean, for many years I sat out there. It's no different. There's only one that could watch us take communion. It was his blood that's shed for us because he was without sin. So, I love this prayer because that brings humility back to me. None of us can stand here and say, "Well, I don't really need it. I've kind of arrived at this place now, got all these years of whatever and all these kind of things. No, one of the things I like with Pastor Chuck Smith when you're with him, a man who knows the word, I'll never even approach it that's why I'm waiting for heaven because maybe then I can get equal to understanding the word and everything he does, but he's humble when he shares communion, he takes it just like the rest of us as Obviously, all of us do. So understand, all of us need forgiveness. Now, if this high priest, notice, if this high priest is sympathetic, why is he sympathetic? Because the heart of God, you have to write this down, God's goal is always restoration. Not many of us like confrontation. Some of you probably like it a little more because you have that nature. You can go and jab stuff or whatever. But most of us... Don't really like a lot of confrontation. I don't. I have to do it because that's the position I'm in. I don't really like to do it, but I have to do it. And when I need to take a stand, I obviously always take a stand. God helps me. If you're a person that loves confrontation and you love tearing people apart, then you better be very careful because God can't use you in the ministry. I want to read this to you in 2 Timothy 2. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. This is written to me as a pastor or any leader in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Those who oppose leaders must gently instruct them with the hope that God will restore them. That's our goal. Our goal as leaders is to restore people. Not to tear them down. Now, sometimes that can happen. Sometimes you have to say to people, you must leave. But our goal is to restore them. Well, look at verse 5. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. Again, remember, Jesus didn't appoint himself. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Speaking about when he came to the earth and he became human. That was this time when he put on the flesh of man. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, when we get to chapter 7, we'll do a whole deal on Melchizedek, so we'll kind of skip that. Get on to verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. When I read that, one of the things I wrote in my own notes was this. Am I learning obedience from suffering? That's one of those things to seal a, pause and think about it. Those of you that are going through suffering times, are you learning obedience from it? You see, Christ humbled himself to learn like we do. As a young boy, he learned things a young boy to do with his father and with his mother. He learned obedience and overcame every temptation so as to confirm his humanity, to say, I know what you're absolutely going through. Jesus walked in our shoes. That allows me to really relate to him. One of the things that I'm very careful of when I go overseas or whatever. In, for instance, when I go to India and teach in the seminary there for Gospel for Asia, here's all these students. That's a seminary where I can teach English. Many of the smaller ones have to teach through an interpreter, but in that one, I can teach the English. And you go there. I learned very early on, you don't go and teach this great topic of on humility and suffering. Because like, yeah, I really suffer greatly in America, don't I? And you look at these kids who have given up everything to be there, I'm going to teach them about suffering? No, they teach me about suffering. And I actually learn much because it's a very humbling experience. And same thing when I was talking with the pastor recently from the underground church in China. I mean, can you imagine that? Never know at one moment to the next whether you're going to be imprisoned or not. I'm going to teach him on patience? I don't think so. So we have to be careful and understand that Jesus, though, was tempted and tested in all ways. He understands where we're at. He understands what we're going through. This perfect obedience was necessary because Christ could fulfill all righteousness, as we learn in Matthew. He then became the perfect sacrifice for all time. Well, verse 9. And once made, notice the word, perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So what does it mean to be saved? Eternal salvation. Does salvation come from Calvary Chapel? No, does it come from the Catholic Church? Does it come from the Presbyterian Church? No, it doesn't come from a church. Salvation comes from who? Jesus Christ. He's the author of salvation. He died so I can have it. Notice the verse says, he became the source. Here's a verse. He who has the Son... Has life. He who has not the Son, what? Tell me. Has not life. It's not he who has Calvary Chapel has life. And we we love our church. But our church is not the source of salvation. No man could ever be the source of salvation. Jesus was. And he's the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And was designated, here we go, appointed. Designated by God to be the high priest in this order of Melchizedek. Because Jesus was sinless and the eternal son of God, he offered a perfect sacrifice himself and he became the author of our salvation. Now, I have these four things I want you to just kind of write down there somewhere in your in your notes and let's go through them quickly. This is kind of a summary of what we studied. Jesus is better than Moses and angels and better than A high priest. So, what did we learn? Calvary. Because of Calvary, Jesus on the cross, there's no more need for sacrifices. So I don't have to beg for God's forgiveness. It's already been taken care of. It is finished, Jesus said from the cross. It's a finished work. I don't earn my salvation. I can't earn it. Could never be good enough. Number two, Christ. No more priests. Now, We are priests unto the Lord, but that's not like the high priest. So there's no, the in-between person between myself and God is just one priest. That's Jesus Christ. He's the only one. So there's no need for a priest today. Certainly there's a need for pastors, teachers. The Bible gives us that in Ephesians chapter 4. He called some to be prophets and prophets and, and whatever, all those things. Number three, Christ, unlike before, has a throne of grace. It's a place where it's a confessional. I can go to him 24-7, no matter what the issue is. When I go to him, he's not going to say, well, you're not worthy. I already know that. It's a throne of grace. It's like my American Express member. Don't really deserve to give you the credit, but I'll give you the credit. Thank you, God. But I'd rather have forgiveness of sins than the 68 bucks worth of credit. Wouldn't you? Amen. What's the end result of those three things? No more sacrifices. No more priests. I can go to God 24-7. Here's what the end result is. Rest. I don't have to strive anymore. I have it. So I don't know what time of need will come tomorrow. I don't know what will come on the phone. You don't either. Guaranteed in the next month, there'll be a huge time of need in all of our lives. That's the way life is. I can rest. When I go to him, he's already been through it. He suffered. Gethsemane. He suffered big time. But by obedience, he gave in to the will of the Father. The last verse I want to leave you with is 1 Timothy two five. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and men, the man, the high priest, Christ Jesus.
0: In Pastor Mark's teaching today, you learned about the role of the high priest, which was to stand between God and man. Because of their personal sin, though, they couldn't provide a permanent reconciliation for mankind. You were reminded that because Jesus was born as a human, he experienced the temptations everyone does, except that he didn't fall for any of them.
1: Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the
0: page. This ends Pastor Mark's teaching, Jesus, Our Perfect High Priest. Next time, he'll begin his message, The Cure for Spiritual Immaturity you will be getting back to the problems these Christians were having, which was they were in need of a spiritual refresher course. You'll hear the Apostle Paul's efforts to lead them back into a place of spiritual strength. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.
1: in a